Good evening. Good evening. Hi, um, this is actually a change to the advertised speaker. If you listened to the last week, Jesse announced that it was Jeremy that was going to be speaking. <laughs> we don't know where he got that from, because it's always going to be me. Um, but if you do have any questions, feel free to ask Jeremy. That's fine. <laughs> For those of you who don't know me, my name is Morag, and I'm also one of the home group leaders here at Kingdom Vineyard, and I'm part of the preaching team. And as uh, Ian has already said, we're on our third week of the evening services on Come Holy Spirit. Jim talked about the small topic of the Trinity, and Jesse on the equally small topic of who is the Holy Spirit. And I continue with an equally easy to sum up topic of the kingdom. <laughs> we could genuinely have had an eight-week series on each of these topics individually but we do our best to pack in in-depth concepts in just 25 minutes. So as they say, buckle up. The Whistle Stop Tour will include, what do we mean when we talk about the kingdom? The now and the not yet nature of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit and the kingdom. And how our understanding of the kingdom helps us understand and explain our experience with the ministry and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to acknowledge my sources right from the outset. Um, so I owe a lot of the following explanations to a blog by Rich Nathan on the Vineyard Church's UK website, which the link is up there if you're interested. And also this book, which is Breakthrough by a Vineyard theologian called Derek Morphew. And if any of tonight's talk whets your appetite, I would thoroughly recommend this for further reading. Indeed, see me after, and I will lend you my signed copy. <laughs> yes, we met um, Derek Morphew, and I fangirled slightly. Anyway, anyway, moving on, moving swiftly on. What do we mean by the kingdom of God, or which is sometimes called the kingdom of heaven? Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Matthew 4, 23 and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. In Matthew 5, in the Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 10, 5 to 8, these 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Jesus often used this phrase or something similar to introduce his parables. With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? And then he would go on to tell us lots of stories. And when his disciples asked him how they should pray, he taught them to say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is the kingdom of God? What did Jesus mean when he said, the kingdom of God has come near? Is he saying Christianity has come near? Is the kingdom of God the Christian religion? No. Is the kingdom of God the church? Is Jesus saying the church, church has started, the church has come near? No. Is the kingdom of God heaven? Not really. What are we Christians praying when we pray in the Lord's prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Very simply, the kingdom of God is what things would be like if Jesus ran everything and if his will was done everywhere. The kingdom of God is what things would be like if Jesus was in charge. When we pray your kingdom come, we are saying that we want this situation to be like what it would be like if you, Lord, were in charge, if your will was done. We say the kingdom has come when the Lord has totally had his way, when he is running the show. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus, the world as it was designed to be. But Jesus' teaching on the kingdom was often given in parables, which not everyone could understand. He gave his disciples more insight, but the nature of the kingdom was mysterious, secret, and something to be sought out. But Jesus also taught about the coming of the Son of Man, a title he used to describe himself. The coming of the Son of Man would be a future event that the whole earth would recognize. You can find that in Matthew chapters 24 to 26 in particular. Matthew 24, 30 says, says, They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So, in Jesus' teaching, the kingdom of God was near, had come, and was still to come. How does that work? Was he confused? Or are somehow all those things true? If you've been around the vineyard for any length of time, you will know that we like a good both and answer. <laughs> are you filled with the Holy Spirit when you become a Christian? Or are you continually filled with the Holy Spirit? Or are you filled on a separate or many separate occasions? Yes, all of the above. <laughs> but I am treading on the toes of a future talk. However, in a similar line of questioning, did the kingdom of God come near in Jesus' time on earth? Did it come into existence with Jesus, or is it still to come? Yes, all of the above. <laughs> in Jesus' ministry, he demonstrated the kingdom, what it looks like when God's rule and reign are adhered to. The sick are healed, Demons are cast out, the dead are raised, sins are forgiven, and the wind and waves obey him. So the kingdom had indeed come near in Jesus, and he gave his disciples authority to do the same, proclaiming, telling people the kingdom was near, and demonstrating it in the same way he did. And the kingdom of God had come into existence with Jesus. By his incarnation, his coming as a man, by his death, resurrection, and ascension, the end times began. 
with what the Bible calls the age to come. We live in the end times. Everyone from the time of Jesus till he comes again lives in the end times. N.T. Wright, a professor of this parish, has a phrase for us. He calls it inaugurated eschatology, which basically means the start of the end. The end times, the eschaton, have started. Our vineyard theologian, Derek Morphew, adds to this phrase. He calls it enacted, inaugurated eschatology, meaning Jesus showed us what this kingdom looks like in his actions, enacted, and we believe has given us the Holy Spirit to continue these actions of the kingdom. We know through these actions what the kingdom of God should look like. No death, no disease, perfect justice. But we also know that this is not what the world looks like right now. We do also believe in the final act of God, the second coming of Jesus, the new heaven and the new earth described in Revelation. The fully consummated, lived out in all the world kingdom is still to come. I have a graphic to help, hopefully. As Christians, we live in this curious, mysterious square in the middle. This area where the kingdom is inaugurated by the coming, the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus continues by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, but the world, denoted by history along the bottom there, has not ended. The two kingdoms run in parallel until the end of the end, when all things are made new and everyone and everything will be subject to and will acknowledge the rule and reign of God. It has been likened to living in the time between D-Day and VE Day in the Second World War. D-Day was the decisive intervention that essentially ensured Allied victory. But there were many battles, and people still lost their lives before the final surrender of the enemy and the liberation of all the occupied countries. The truth is, Jesus is king now. Satan is fully defeated now. But somehow, for some reason, probably divine patience, God does not apply his perfect will at all times and in all places. And we still see the effects of other evil powers, Satan, demons, and fallen human beings, while the kingdom of this world continues. We live in the tension of the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. But Mo, I hear you cry. I thought these talks were going to be about the Holy Spirit. Indeed. One of the final things Jesus tells, tells his disciples, excuse me, is to wait in Jerusalem for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they do so. Then Pentecost happens. And you can hear more about this in our podcast from our Sunday morning teaching series on the book of Acts. As an explanation for the phenomena that are being witnessed at Pentecost, Peter quotes from the prophet Joel. Oops. And I have got the middle. There we go. 
in Acts 2, verses 14 to 21. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is clearly a last day's prophecy. A sign that we are in the end times. The age to come has started. The kingdom has come. And Peter makes a connection between this prophecy and the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost. The coming of the Holy Spirit is a kingdom event. That's why it's up there as an arrow of the age to come impacting on this age. Those who receive the Spirit experience the powers of the age to come. It is a taste now of what we'll experience then. Paul describes the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, a down payment of our future full inheritance. The inheritance will include the future redemption of our bodies in an amazing and mysterious way, which I'm not even going to pretend I understand. But... It is not surprising that if in the future age our bodies will be affected, then as we experience the down payment of the Holy Spirit, our bodies may react in some way. Maybe in an obvious way of physical healing. But also in less tangible ways such as feeling joy, peace, love, and feeling what some describe as electricity in your body or heat or trembling or falling over. As I've mentioned briefly before, on Sunday mornings, we are currently in a preaching series on the book of Acts, which we have variably called the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. We also came at Acts by way of the somewhat left field angle of the book of Joshua. An understanding of the theology of the kingdom makes this so much more understandable. Joshua led Israel into the promised land, conquering enemies and taking the physical land, which ultimately led to the kingdom and the rule of King David. In Acts, we see the Holy Spirit leading the apostles and the fledgling church into the kingdom, conquering enemies and taking the land, people's lives, ultimately into the kingdom and the rule and reign of the fulfillment of the Davidic monarchy, King Jesus. The Holy Spirit, God in us, as described by Jesse last week, means that we live with the constant possibility of the breaking into ordinary life 
of the extraordinary life of the kingdom. When we worship, sometimes it is simply good music and lyrics. At other times, we are transported, as it were, into the very throne room of God. The sense of God's presence is tangible. And again, our bodies and emotions may respond. We experienced some of it here tonight. I certainly experienced it this morning. When we pray or are prayed for, sometimes it is a blessing and it's kind words. At other times, it's a word straight to our heart that only God would know. We pray for healing and sometimes all we can offer is sympathy and support. At other times, the Holy Spirit brings physical healing and total restoration. But why not all the time? That is often the cry of my heart. Why? How long? I don't understand. The closest I come to an explanation is the now and not yet mystery of the kingdom. Why are some people not healed? Don't they have enough faith? Is the prayer not anointed or gifted enough? Is there sin or unforgiveness in their life? All these questions can get raised. There seems no logical explanation. Sometimes there seems to be the perfect conditions. I have fasted for seven days. Faith is rising and nothing happens. And then in the most unlikely of conditions, out in the street with somebody who's been a Christian for five minutes and total healing. We'd love there to be a formula. Mix X and Y and Z with a little bit of A, B and C and boom, guaranteed healing. But this is not the normal Christian experience. The explanation of the now and not yet of the kingdom enables us to avoid the more cruel and hopeless explanations of it being somehow someone's fault or that it can never happen. I think it also allows us to put to bed the question of whether it is God's will to heal. In the age to come, in the new Jerusalem, God's fully consummated kingdom, there is no disease or death. This is the default setting of the kingdom. God's plan is not sickness. It is never sickness. But although the kingdom has broken through, it has not taken over. And so we live with healing and sickness, peace and war, joy and sadness, ever intention. To quote Derek Morphew yet again, we live tasting, yet with our mouth watering, filled and yet hungry, satisfied, yet longing, having all, yet needing all. Get used to it. It will not go away until the very end. Are there things we can do to make the breakthrough of the kingdom more likely? I think so. I think we have some responsibility because we live in the blue square. <laughs> the Holy Spirit in us 
means that we carry the age to come in potential with us at all times. We are literally kingdom carriers. If we truly understood the authority that we have been given and the power we have access to, I believe our expectation of kingdom breakthrough would rise. The more we give God opportunities to use us, wherever we are, here in church, in home group, in work, walking along the street, knowing his voice and ready to respond, the more he will use us. The more stories we will have flooding into our stories at thekingdomvineyard.com. And if you have any, please let us know. The more stories we have, the more expectation will rise. And the more we expect, the more we will see. It is a virtuous circle. Having said that, truly understanding our position and identity before God also means we understand that we cannot manufacture anything. We are totally reliant on God. When we pray, we should neither be phased when something happens or when something doesn't happen. The responsibility does not and cannot lie on our shoulders. I will say it again. There is no formula. Having all, yet needing all, sums up what I'm trying to say. But going back to my graphic one more time, my prayer and the cry of my heart is that space gets more and more filled with arrows of kingdom breakthrough. And this line, the bottom line, gets closer and closer to the kingdom of God. Is that the trajectory we're on? I don't know. What are the signs of the end of the end? People love to know that. They spend ages trying to figure it out. But I think I'll stick with Jesus' line on that one. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son but only the Father. And finally, just to emphasize that this is a talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the mark, the guarantee, the down payment of the kingdom of God. He shows us what it looks like and what it feels like, just as Jesus did. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, we are doing just that.